0: We are so excited that this latest message from Truth Moving Church can meet you where you are today. This message from TMC will help you to apply the truth of God's word to your everyday life. It's practical and powerful. Enjoy his word. If you don't mind, let's turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verse 21, NIV version. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, NIV version. We have a lot of work to do today in a short period of time. Um, So if I, if I feel like I'm pressing a little bit, I am. (laughs) I'm trying to push us through these points. Matthew 18, verse 21, NIV. Matthew 18, 21, NIV. I still hear some swipes. Y'all ready? We got to put in a little work today. This is the last installment of our bitterness series. Has this been good to anybody else? I think it's been pretty decent. It's been pretty decent. Um, Today's going to be a little different. um, One, because I've got five points. (laughs) Listen, I told Jordan I have five five points, Pastor. (laughs) Yeah, man, I have five points. I could do five points. I've got five points today, so I'm going to press, and we're going to walk through the text together. Is that all right? When we started this conversation six weeks ago, uh, one of the main thoughts or um, the areas of focus was that bitterness is not just an emotion, but a place where you arrive. Bitterness is not just an emotion, but a place where you arrive. When I began to think about... um, that statement specifically. It took me to the movie Jumanji. Now I'm not talking about this Kevin Hart, The Rock kind of stuff. I'm talking about 1995 uh, where Alan Parrish and a girl by the name of Sarah Whittle um, sat down to play what seemed to be a normal board game, but all of a sudden Alan gets snatched into the game and Sarah is traumatized for the rest of her life because of what took place in front of her eyes. When you allow yourself to go to a place of bitterness, you stand to lose a lot. Um, Relationships, oh man, relationships are pressured. Um, Opportunities are lost. Personal growth tends to cease. Um, Because, again, bitterness is not like any other emotion. It desires to keep you there. It doesn't want you to leave, kind of like the movie Jumanji. You know, you get stuck in a place. I thought I was just playing a board game, and I got caught up in this thing, and I couldn't get myself out. and bitterness is the same way. I thought it was just an emotion, but I got caught up in this things, and 10 years later, I'm still dealing with the same bitterness that I had 10 years ago. <clears throat> in the movie Jumanji, there was only one way to get out of the game and reverse it, its effects. You had to finish it. And just like the movie Jumanji, there is only one way to get out of a place called bitter, and that is forgiveness. The only way to escape the place caught bitter is forgiveness. Whatever the offense, whatever the transgression, whatever the wrong, whatever it is that they did, whatever it is that they did not do, the only way to get yourself out of a place caught bitter is to forgive. Now, what's so amazing about this, this is it's just not my thought. Jesus teaches through a parable um, to his disciples this, this biblical concept or kingdom concept. Y'all want to look into it? Look at verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Stop right there. Who sins? Missed the mark. That's what sin means, missed the mark. So that means somebody offended me, somebody missed the mark with me, somebody overstepped their bounds with me, somebody transgressed against me. That is what Peter is asking, okay? He says, how many times must I, shall I forgive my brother or sister who, has, who sins against me? Now, he asks a question, but he answers it with a question. He says, up to seven times, Jesus answered. I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Our first point for today, I want you to write this down, is the word countless. Say that with me, countless. Countless. What I found hilarious about this very specific scripture or, or passage is that Peter and the disciples have been around Jesus for quite some time now. So they knew that Jesus and his followers had to forgive. There was no question about that. They had been around Jesus for such a long time where they even seen Jesus just forgive sinners. He's, you know, he, would, he would heal someone or he would walk up on a sinner and he says, your, your sins have been forgiven. So he, they understood that forgiveness was given freely. They understood that followers should forgive. They understood that. So when Peter comes to Jesus, he doesn't say if. He says how many? How many? How much am I supposed to give Jesus? Now, Jesus, I understand that we're supposed to give. I get it. I'm down with that, and I'm a Jesus follower, but how much? How, how many times am I just going to forget <laughs> that, they, that they, they transgressed with me? How many times am I just going to walk away and act as if it never happened? How many times, Jesus? Now, what's funny to me is that the disciples always boosted up Peter to go do it. Peter would get the business every time he walked up to Jesus. and like, okay, Peter, listen. You're going to go ask Jesus how many times we're supposed to forgive. Because we all agree. We agree, guys. Yeah, we agree that we're supposed to forgive. But there has to be a number. There has to be a limit. So, Peter, you go ask Jesus. So then John says to Peter, he says, he says he said, listen, hit him with the number seven. Because that's his favorite number. Hit him with the seven. So Peter walks up to Jesus. So Jesus, how many times shall we forgive our brother? He says, up to seven times. Because there's a limit. And what's funny about that day in time, there was a limit. Everybody looking at me. <laughs> there was a limit. You see, rabbis taught in that day that you had to forgive up to three times. And then after three times, the gloves come off. Three strikes, you're out. <laughs> You're going to get the business after the third time I get to have my way with you. So they say to themselves, well, let's double it. Let's more than double it because that's what Christians do. You know, there's a limit. We're just going to double it. We're going to be twice as better as everybody else. We're just going to double it. They walk up to Jesus seven times and Jesus says, come on, man. That's seven times. Seventy-seven times. And what Jesus is getting to is that the number of times that you forgive someone should be counted. I, I can't put a... Jesus says, there, there is no limit. There are some commentators who said that with Jesus, he says, he says 70 times, 77. Excuse me, I said that, but he said 490 times is what they think. 490 or 77 is a whole lot. And what Jesus was alluding to was the fact that there is no limit to forgiving. I'm going to go somewhere with you real quick. There are people in your life, who have maxed out their forgiveness credit card with you. I've expressed my Jesus. <laughs> I've done my Jesus type of thing. I've done my Christian duty, and I've, I've, I've allowed them, but they're bouncing checks now, Jesus. What are we supposed to do? Jesus says, listen to me. You should, you should extend a platinum card to everybody. I knew y'all weren't going to be ready for this this morning. You should be extending that type of credit limit to everybody because Jesus says, listen, I live, God says, I live in eternity. There's no end to the grace that I give. So if you're going to be down with me, if you're going to rock with me, if you're going to do it like me, then guess what? You should make sure that you extend endless grace, endless forgiveness to everybody in your life. I know this is heavy for Sunday morning. It's going to be a rough one today. I got, I got you today. got you in the right spot. Let's go to verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him since he was not able to pay the master, ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Verse 27. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Second point for today is the word compassion. Write that down, compassion. Say it with me, compassion. To me now, to me, the king comes to a very powerful resolve within himself that changes the narrative. He comes to a very powerful resolve within himself that changes the outcome. He says to the man, you owe me significant money. The man says, I, I don't have it. Give me some time, You know, sh- sh- show me some grace. If you be patient with me, I'll, 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 I'll make it happen. And then something happens inside of the king that changes the narrative. The word says that, they, he says that he took pity on him. Took pity on him essentially means that he showed compassion. Now, here's what happens when compassion shows up in this type of situation. The king in that moment said to himself, he doesn't have the means to pay me back. He, 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 he says that he's, he's, he's incapable of paying me back. So let him off the hook. Now, oh, gosh, I want to give you this. This is really good stuff. Gosh. Do you know, and you all have the, the, the story of the Good Samaritan. Okay. The same words, the same exact words are in the story of the Good Samaritan. He took pity means that he showed compassion. All right. After he shows him compassion, he takes him basically to the hospital, and he gets him there, and he gives the man two denarii. He says, listen, any debt that he racks up while I'm gone, I'm going to pay it, because he's incapable of paying it for himself. Mm. There are people in your life that you are holding by the neck to repay a debt to you because they, offend, they offended you, they transgressed you, and they are incapable of getting there. Here's what I'm saying. They don't know how to formulate the words to say I'm sorry. Oh, gosh, y'all. They can't even get there. They, they, they don't have the emotional stability to say, you know what, I need to go back and look at this the way that you look at it. They can't get there. So why do I continue to hold them accountable for something they cannot pay? He looks at this man and says, listen, he has no way of fixing this. Let him off the hook. Let him him go. You said it. That's that's, that's hard. Because when I know that you owe me, when you created a debt with me because of what you said to me, can I use the term that my mother used used to use? There needs to be some get back. I should be able to get back from you what you've just created with me. And then, oh, God, what Jesus teaches here is, listen, I need to be able to look at people and say to myself, can they even get there? Are they mature enough to come to me and say, you know what, I see it your way? Have they spiritually grown to that space? Are we able to be able to, because here's the thing. The only, the only difference about the good Samaritan and everybody else that passes God was that he took compassion. It is those three. He took compassion. That is what changes the narrative. Listen to me, y'all. I'm trying to get you to change some narratives in your life. Oh, man. The enemy would like for this thing to play out a certain way, but you can change the narrative if you just look at this thing a different way. They can't get there. Listen to me now. I was thinking about this, and I, was, I wanted to use it so bad, and I threw it away. i would be throwing away some good stuff, y'all. But when I was growing up, there was this guy by the name of Mr. T. Who knows Mr. T? Okay, Mr. T would say, I pity the fool. <laughs> That was his phrase, I pity the fool, meaning I'm about to take advantage of you. Listen to me. It is not a demeaning phrase to say I take pity on them. I don't see them as less than. I just know they can't get here. So instead of frustrating myself, instead of, instead of getting mad every single day that I see you and bringing up emotions that I don't want to have, let him go. Ooh. Shout, let him go. You need to let it go. Let him go. Okay. All right. Let's push for some more. Verse 27. (laughs) The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt. Shout, canceled. Canceled the debt and let him go. Third point is the word cancellation. Okay, well, you just talked about canceling debt. Why'd you bring that up? After the king is filled with compassion for the man, um, he is compelled to cancel the debt and let the man go, simply because the man can't fix it. He has nowhere way paying me back, so I'm letting him go. What I want to make clear, though, is this, is that he didn't just have compassion. He canceled the debt. He didn't just have compassion. He canceled the debt. Watch this now. He didn't just cancel the debt. I don't want to get ahead of my, let me walk this a little different. He canceled the debt. He didn't defer the debt. Now, I don't want you to put your business in the street at all, but has anyone ever taken out a student loan? You'll understand exactly what I'm saying if if you've taken out a student loan. Um, The government, Fannie Mae, whoever you want to call, whoever gave you your money, will, will, will say to you, okay, I'm going to extend you some credit right now. I'm going to give you this loan until you finish school, right? And once you get out of school, I want you to start paying it back. But once you finish school, they'll say to you, okay, I get it. You don't have the money to pay me back yet, so we will defer the loan because you're not ready to pay me back. You're incapable at this moment of paying me back. So I'll push the loan out and I'll defer. That's grace. Right? I'll give you some grace. That's your grace period. But here's the problem with deference. Deferring always turns into forbearance. (laughs) I'm teaching too much today, y'all. Forbearance happens when um, that I know you're supposed to be able to pay me now because I expect for you to pay me now, and you can't pay me now, so I'm going to restrain myself from taking from you what you owe, owe to me. So then it starts to gain interest. Oh, this is too much. And then it starts to gain interest. So you should have paid me back for this along You created a debt with me about five years ago, and I gave you grace because I knew you couldn't get here. And I didn't cancel the debt, so now it's forbearance. So I'm holding myself back from jumping on you with my emotions because you ain't ready yet. Listen to me. I can't just, I, I, I can't defer the debt. I've got to cancel the debt. You see, when you cancel the debt, it doesn't come back up. When you cancel the debt, it doesn't come back up. This is a hard thing to do in relationships. <laughs> because here's the thing. You always tend to touch that specific thing that you did at that specific time. And it doesn't matter when you touch it if I ain't cancel the debt. So then check this out. Okay. I'm just not going to say anything to him. I'm going to say him. Why? So I can give, you, give you a pass. <clears throat> I'm not going to say anything to him because he can't get there. So, you know what? I'm just going to let this go. Let this one go. And uh, a year from that, from, from, from that date, it happens again. But because I didn't cancel the debt, there was interest being built up. So now, you get the full wrath of what I want. You get Because I'm going to get you all the way caught up. We're going to get this caught up today. Okay. Okay. This is a thought that I wrote down. Compassion positions you to truly release people who have wronged you. Compassion positions you to truly release people who have wronged you. What I loved about that verse is that after he canceled the debt, he says, let him go. This, this is so okay. I gotta go because I have five points today. <laughs> okay, let's push for more. Let's go to point number four. Are you getting anything? Yes. <clears throat> Verse 32 says this Then the master called the servant in, You wicked servant. He said, I cancel all that debt of yours because you beg me. <clears throat> Shouldn't you have had mercy? on your fellow servant, just as I had on you. The king didn't have to ask a question, y'all. No. He said, shouldn't you? He said, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. Point number four is the word comprehension. Say that with me, comprehension. Commentators, theologians, both um, differ on the amount of money that the servant owed the king. Some say uh, it was in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Others say it has tipped over into the billion. What we do know for a fact, which is very clear, is that whatever the amount of money was, it was very significant, and the servant couldn't pay it back. king shows compassion. He cancels the debt. Uh, Then the man goes outside of the king's court. Shout fresh off grace. He's fresh off grace. He goes outside of the king's court and he sees a man who owes him the equivalent of $12,000. He grabs the man by the neck. And he's forcing this man. you're going to pay me right now. You're going to pay me right now. The man drops to a knee and he says, please show me some mercy. He says, no. Throw him in jail until he pays me back my money. Now, he's just been released of, he's been, the debt has been canceled of, at least hundreds of millions of dollars. But he walks outside of the door where he had just been, received all of his grace, he sees the man that owes him an equivalent to $12,000. Some say it was $100,000, but it was, it was payable. Man won't let him go. So then, what cracked me about the whole story is that the servants saw him do this. Everybody else saw him do it. And they went back and told the king. It was like, Do you know what he's out there doing? I can't believe he's over there doing it. So they go tell the king, and the king calls him and He says, Listen, this was, blew me away. The king says, Well, shouldn't you have shown the same mercy that I just bestowed upon you. And the way I translated that, this is the one's Underwood translation, the king says to him, you don't get it. What don't you get about what I just did for you? Because, because here's the thing. The king says to him, oh gosh, I canceled a debt that you could not pay so that you will cancel a debt that they could pay. He says, I canceled a debt that you could not pay so that you will go out and cancel a debt that they could pay. Watch me now. If you don't comprehend the sin that Jesus took the Calvary's cross for you, you will never understand grace. If you don't comprehend that, this, we, we need to stop talking about this. You first need to be able to understand and comprehend what happened at Calvary's cross. Do you understand the debt that you were in? He says, what don't you get about what I just did for you? What don't you get? You couldn't pay me back, but I, I, I canceled the debt, and I let you go. And here you are for something so minor, something so fit. How dare you? How dare you hold them accountable for something like that? Seeing what I let you go, I let you go. He steps right outside of, oh, God, he steps right outside of grace, and he's got his hand on this man's neck. Look at the taxi. He's choking him. The king brings him back in and says, you don't comprehend what I've done for you. You don't get it. Can I say something else? This is just good. That's the problem with people in worship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, until you can start to envision in your mind doing a worship service, what Jesus has done for you, Worship will always be an awkward space. Oh, The one who did—oh, gosh! See what happens to, to those who get it when when those God moments happen? The one who just let me off the hook just showed up. He's here in my pocket. Oh he's here in my presence. And then, oh gosh, and when the tears start to flow, then they start to connect everybody that they didn't forgive. And like, Lord, how could I? Why would I? How, should, how can I be this way? I don't deserve it. <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't deserve it, God. So he says, listen, I canceled this debt that you couldn't pay. You ain't have no way of paying me back. So that you would go out and cancel debts that they could pay. Meaning that this is just an expectation of this relationship that I have. I mean, this is just, I'm not asking anything, it's anything outside of the norm and you should be able to do this. All of us got one or two of those. Listen, what he's saying here, what Jesus teaches here, is that even if they could pay it back, Let him go. Here's why. Oh, gosh, y'all. This is my last point. I think this is my best point. (laughs) Verse 32. Y'all getting anything? Last point. Then then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I cancel all that debt of yours because you beg me. Verse 33. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all the Our last and final point for today is the word cost. Shout cost. <clears throat> when I was going through this um, this section of the scripture, I came up with so many different thoughts. To, I, need, I said, Lord, I need to be able to tell him plainly the impact of not forgiving. When unforgiveness is bound up in your heart, I need to be able to give him clarity on that. Because I don't think we understand the cost. So, I got into these, these articles this week, <clears throat> a few articles this week, um, that detailed the expense that is associated with the U.S. prison system. You know, how much it costs to keep someone in jail. And it, it, it boggled my mind. How much money we, how much money we pay to keep somebody behind bars? Now, in this moment, I'm not advocating for parole. I'm not doing any of those things. I'm just talking about the cost. In 2012, the number was $43 billion. according to the Bureau of Justice Statistics, it now costs the U.S. $81 billion a year to keep a prisoner behind bars. Now, I have a very, very, very simple question. How much is it costing you to keep whoever it is behind the bars of an offense. How much are you really relinquishing? I mean, how, how, how much, watch this now, how much are you forfeiting? He, he says to the, to the, king says to the man, listen, I'm gonna let you off the hook, bro. You're good to go. Go ahead and leave. And because he went out and wouldn't let somebody else off the hook, he forfeited everything he had been given. He he gave it all away. Listen to what I'm trying to get you to understand now. It is costing you way more than you know to keep somebody behind the bars of an offense that they can never fix. He says, listen, I just gave you basically everything. And you're going to give it all away for something so minor. And I don't think that we can comprehend how much it costs us when we don't forgive. $81 billion to keep somebody bound up. Emotionally, how much is it, is it costing you? Spiritually, how much is it costing you to keep them in that jail that you created for them? How much, is it, how much is it costing you? How much of your mind, how much of your heart, how much of your spirit is just going away because you will not release them? And what I want you to understand today is that you need to cancel the debt and just let them go. Because it means too much to me. I'm forfeiting too much. The note that I wrote down is that you forfeit grace when you don't forgive. You forfeit grace when you don't forgive. The king brings the man back and he says, what don't you get about what I just did for you? Don't you understand the amount of grace that I just gave you? No, nah, bro, I don't want it. I don't want it because I can't forgive them. I don't want it. How much is it costing you? How much is it costing you? How many relationships cannot be reconciled because you will not forget? I'll never forget it. Never, never a day in my life will I forget it. I was standing in front of my <clears throat> in laws, the first house that I knew them to have. And, uh, I was, a, I was a bright young whippersnapper. I had my stuff together. I had it all figured out. And uh, my father-in-law has this way of conjuring up a conversation. Let's put it that way. It's a gift. Everybody can't do it. Specifically with a guy, a guy like me because I'm a quick study. I can see you coming. But he would always get me wrapped up into a conversation. He does to this still, he does the same thing to this day. And um, I was nineteen at the time. And we're outside washing the car, and he says to me, um, so how are things with you and your dad? I'm like, I don't mess with that guy. I don't mess with him. I I, I don't like the way that he has treated my mom. I don't like um, who he is, and I'm not taking out, I'm a man now today, and I can see, you know, hindsight's 20-20, and I know um, that things weren't as they seemed, right? But I had this opinion of my father that wasn't true, and my father-in-law says to me, and I, I'll never forget, it, he says, well, wait until you're about 30. When you get about 30, you'll understand. He don't know I said this to myself, but I said to this Oh God, I don't know what he's talking about. It's no joke. I turned 30. And my father starts to explain to me some of the things that he was going through. I, didn't, I couldn't comprehend it then. But when I matured enough spiritually, I could understand it. listen to me, from from, from, from 19 to 30, I harbored this unforgiveness against my father and the relationship would not grow because I didn't want it to grow. It could not mature because I didn't want it to to mature. But the day that I matured, it changed the way that I saw the man. And at 30 years old, oh gosh, y'all, just before my father passes away, I was able to let him go. Eleven years I wasted because of a debt he could not pay. Eleven years I wasted because of a debt that he could not pay. He couldn't get there, but I was holding him accountable. But guess what happened? God matured me, and I became aware of the grace that he bestowed upon me. So in that moment, I was able to extend grace because I was in the possession of grace. Oh, God. How many relationships are estranged and have pressure on them because you don't understand grace? What a tragedy It would have been if I wouldn't have been able to mature to a place where I could let my father go. Listen to me, y'all. Bitterness desires to keep you there. It wants that bad taste to linger in your mouth. It wants that negative thought to always be the first thought. And it, oh God, it wants you to waste the time. And I've learned about life is that I don't get these moments back. So I have to. I got to forgive. Listen to me, y'all. Whoever he is, whoever she is, whatever it was, let it go. Because it's costing you more than you know. It's costing you more than you know. I was, oh gosh. Do you understand how desperately you need God's grace? I stand as a man in in, in my house. I stand spiritually over my house. And I can't figure it out all the time. Lord knows I can't figure it out all the time. But because I came in contact with grace and I can comprehend his grace, his grace is over my family. So where I can't be the man that I need to be, he makes up the difference. Why do I feel so much pressure in this relationship? Why do I feel such a need to perform? Why do I feel this and why do I feel that? Because you, sir, you, ma'am, have failed to comprehend the grace that went to Calvary's cross for you. Because that does mean that you have space to mess up. You don't have to be perfect because he was. (laughs) And the only thing that you need to do to release his grace is to comprehend it. I just gotta understand it. There are some relationships that you've tried to fix. There are some that you've tried to mend that just don't work. You haven't extended grace yet. You can talk to them until you're blue in the face. You can have all kind of of obsessions with them and do whatever you want to do. But until grace shows up, until forgiveness shows up, it won't change. God is asking his people this morning, where is your forgiveness? How, How dare I show up in your space and you don't have the forgiveness that I gave you? How dare I come into this place and you harboring unforgiveness. I didn't do that to you. Where is it? Oh, I created you to be in relationship. I created you to be fruitful and multiply. But something's happening in your life. You're getting stifled down by certain things and you're not growing. I'm telling you, you're not growing today because you haven't forgiven. Is that you?